Welcome to Better Movies, starring Adam. This is all good material. Avery. Roll credits, Matt. Kevin. I'm just sort of here. And Matt. So, a, a bit of comedy on this otherwise serious podcast. Alright, speaking of podcasts, uh, welcome to the Better Movies Podcast, the only podcast certified fresh. Joining me today are Adam. Hey. Avery. Hello. And Kevin. Howdy. Howdy again. <laughs> it's always interesting to see what Kevin's going to go for. I, I just keep, I keep waiting for every time we introduce Kevin for him to just do the entire song of California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre. And just recites the whole thing. <laughs> just the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah. yeah. I like reach off screen and pull a guitar in and just... <laughs> Acoustic California Love. Yeah. Unfortunately, this reference is lost on me because I don't really know that song. But... You should look it up. It's quite well it's, known and good. It's too old for you. That's right. Yeah. That's true. You are I'm only young. I'm only 26. So yeah. 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 For Kev, you say California, and I mean he's so young. He's like, you mean that island off the coast of the U.S. that broke away long ago, <laughs> split right at the fault? Is that what we're talking about? I'm pretty sure that's the plot of Superman Returns, isn't it? <laughs> when California breaks away is the first Superman movie with uh, really, yeah, Christopher Reeve. Lex Luthor tries to set up a, um, a nuclear oh, that's weapon right, to, yeah. to make the San Andreas fault. But Superman so. Returns has a similar yeah. thing. He creates an island. Right, with that's one right. Of the crystals. Yeah. And he, what is it? he takes one of the crystals, but he, he also gets um, kryptonite hmm. so that Superman can't do anything with the island. Yeah, but then it turns out he can because the movie is really sloppy. Matt, when you first said Superman Returns, your audio cut out on me, and I thought you were saying Super Mario Returns. <laughs> and I got the really excited that there's a Super Mario Bros. sequel. Two. Unfortunately, <laughs> didn't Bob Hoskins just recently die? So I don't think we're gonna get a gonna get a Superman a Mario Super Mario two. Just use uh, his old footage and just mix it around differently. <laughs> you can only improve that movie. That's true. <laughs> Alright, let's do our first segment, which we decided last week was called New Releases. And I'm going to have a little jingle eventually that goes, New Releases, or whatever, right there. I really like that. Mm. New Releases, or whatever. I yeah. like that. <laughs> or whatever, whatever going to be part of the jingle? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to commit too strongly to it. So, this is the bit where we talk about the last movie we watched. Adam, what was the last movie you watched? Uh, the last movie I watched was The Blair Witch Project. The new one or the first one? The first one. Okay. I didn't even know that there was a new one. Yeah, the new one's called Blair Witch. The new one's Witch. called Blair Witch. Mm. It just it, came out. Was it like a prequel or sequel or current? It's a sequel. It was a, wow. It's, a, it's the third one. There's two besides the one I want? Yeah. Yeah, there's a second one called Book of Shadows. That's right. It's the third one, but um, it ignores the fact that the second one exists. Because <laughs> different people made the second one, so they were just like, nah, we don't like it. Yeah, the writer and director wanted to do a trilogy, but they very foolishly signed away like all rights to mm. it when they when they did the first film, and then they had like no control over it. And they did a bunch of video games, and they just it was it was horrible yeah. for them. Dang, that's too bad. 
Because it's like a little indie film or whatever, so it makes sense that it'd be easy to take advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. And it was such a big hit at the time, right? Like, it... Yeah. It completely, it really like... Well. It was made for no money. It completely uh, outdid all expectations because it had such a good um, marketing campaign. Yeah, I remember, like, all my friends went and saw it and stuff. Because it came out when? What year did it come out? 99. 99. Um, so I remember for, like, there were a good amount of friends that that was, like, their first rated R movie that they yeah. went and saw. And uh, I, I was not allowed to see rated R movies ever as a kid. Never, ever. Growing up. So, so the whole time I was watching The Blair Witch, I just kept repeating... Take that, Dad. And I think it <laughs> maybe influenced some of my watching. Uh, but maybe it improved it at the same time. I think I got the exact same experience that all my friends did. Yeah, it was it was all right. It's really short. It's like an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah, it's very it's very short. But I think it, that's good. Like it, it only has it has an hour and twenty minutes of story to tell. Like it's very I don't tight. know. If I was going to be murdered by a witch, I would hope I would survive longer than than an hour and twenty five minutes. <laughs> I think they should be very disappointed in themselves. And their dads should watch that footage and be like, "Take that, kids! Told you never to get involved in rated R." But it was alright. I was also surprised because it doesn't really like show much as a horror movie. Like it's all centered around those main characters, and it is zoomed in really close to them like the whole time. And um, the scary parts are like you see piles of rocks and twigs tied together, um, and that's basically it. Oh, and some right, slime. but that's like that's like the point, isn't it? No one's like. Do you know the problem with Jaws is? Is it not enough just face-on footage of sharks swimming around? Like, no, yeah. no one... If Like, think about uh, Cloverfield. Like, as soon as you see the monster, you're like, well, eh. It's not right, no, anymore. I get the... I got I get the whole suspense and stuff, but you but at the same time Cloverfield it's like ah things are getting crushed and exploding and all sorts of craziness. Yeah. For this the Blair Witch was just doing some sort of like weird merit badge the whole time. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh no, she's passed off three of the five requirements. <laughs> like it's, it's just it's she's just doing an art project in the woods. Yeah. And they were very not appreciative. Yeah. She put on an entire, I mean, if my friend came over and put together an entire, like, art studio sort of performance piece for me, I'd be thrilled. So, like, the witch was leaving these as gifts and they were just get No, you can't take them. It. It's an art project. You get to yeah. admire the art. Have you never seen art before? You, you get to it, you admire it, and then you move on to the next section. Yeah. And then the next set of teens come through. Never invite Aubrey to go to a museum with you. He just walks out with a painting under each other. Like, they're just, they're just lying around. They're just stuck them on a wall for you to take. You'll be disappointed to hear, Adam, that the original movie is like an hour and 20 minutes long. The new movie is only an hour and nine minutes long. Holy uh, cow. So, yeah, teens have clearly lost lost ground when it comes to surviving This witches. is what I've been saying. Childhood obesity is a real problem in America. <laughs> <laughs> clearly people are running slower and slower from these Blair Witch. Blair Witch yeah. is out there putting together all these sort of like boulder lifting sort of... Uh, Blair Witch is putting together CrossFit art pieces doing her workout regimen, and uh, here comes a bunch of overweight teens who can't even run for longer than that. Yeah. Literally to save their lives. 
Very sad. Still, none of those things are the thing that I would choose to improve the movie. I think if I could improve the movie, it just all seemed pretty amateurish to me. Like, (laughs) just the the quality (laughs) of video was... Very poor. Yeah, it was wanting. They could have invested like, one tripod. Yeah, or like a... What what are those things, those attachments to camera where it like steadies it and stuff? Is it just called a a steadicam? Yeah. Good job, inventor of the steadicam. Um... Yeah, they could have had something like that. Instead, they're, like, shaking all over the place <laughs> yeah. and zooming in, making it look like someone just sort of, like, found this out in the woods or something like that. Like, <laughs> And you see all these, like, you see all these, like, indie filmmakers and they improvise dollies out of shopping carts and they have yeah. all these ingenious solutions for these problems. And these kids didn't even bother trying. No. They were just Friggin like, no, just Frame a shot, why don't you? Yeah. Frame a shot. <laughs> It's called mise-en-scene. Heard of it, motherfucker? Look it up. <laughs> the whole time she's, like, crying and her nose is dripping as the camera's right here and she's apologizing to me. Well, they give a full, like, sort of body work. Get some better lighting. It was very dark around you. Shameful. Fat American kids who have never seen film. They're just watching movies <laughs> these days. Just who've going. Never, never taken a single film class. They're just slurping up their popcorn in the theater, getting <laughs> fat off mommy and daddy. Can't even run from the Blair Witch. <laughs> it's a harsh indictment of uh, today's youth. Yeah. You know what? Maybe that's why my dad wouldn't want, didn't want me to see it. He's like, this is going to be a bad influence. This is going to teach you things that I don't want you to teach. Instead, he would all, I, every time I'd ask, can I watch the Blair Witch Project? He'd say, no, but you can run three miles, and then I'd do it. Every single time. <laughs> but it takes you an hour and a half, so it's not. That's true. It took me a whole director's cut of it just to run. All right, Avery, what was the last movie you watched? So uh, we watched Passengers on uh, the other right. night. Basically, uh, this this inter I went I guess intergalactic starship going from one planet to a colony planet takes on a, a meteor hit, and it wakes up one person, <laughs> one person from from a malfunction, and that's it. And if it weren't for the fact that he was woken up this ship would have eventually exploded. Although it took two years to get to that point. Oh, and by the way, the guy who got woken up was an engineer. Oh, nice. Perfect. That's fortunate. Well, presumably they're all, like everybody, I don't want to be defending passengers, which I'm pretty sure has a 0% Rotten Tomatoes rating. But um, (laughs) presumably they're all kind of like engineering types. It's not like they brought a bunch of, like, a bunch of go-go dancers and a couple gardeners like, you gotta go with Banker, because then you get all the money, and you can buy all the bullets. I'm thinking Oregon Trail. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> this is a modern Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I'm way into this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems, yeah, you could die from dysentery instead of... Yeah, what's the equivalent of dysentery? <laughs> it's still dysentery. Uh, okay. <laughs> Space okay. dysentery. Space dysentery. Well, in a way, that is kind of touched upon in the film because yeah, they so... touch it. <laughs> that's the first. That's your first mistake with dysentery. You don't want to first touch it. Um, so this podcast is great. What a great experience. <laughs> Space dysentery. <laughs> so, so after our hero uh, was Chris Pratt is is uh, awake for a year, he. He's been debating about waking somebody up for a year. And yeah, he's been he's been awake for a year by himself on this entire ship. 
and he's lonely. So, uh, so he wakes, he wakes up our femme fatale. I can't say femme fatale. What am I talking about? It's not a spy movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a classic so, space dysentery <laughs> reenactment. I do want to say at this point right. that in the trailers, mm-hmm. it totally makes it seem like that they, they both, woke both up. get woken up by the malfunction. Yes, it does. And then it's like a, like a little love story. But what actually happens is Chris Pratt gets condemned to death. And then he's right. like, do you know what? I'm going to condemn someone else I want to take a pretty death. girl on this journey with yes. me. <laughs> exactly. Let's both die yeah. together. Yeah. And mm. presumably so, then what happens is he wakes her up and she gets furious and murders him. Right? That's what, is that what happens? No, no, it's not actually. What an interesting um, take on marriage, whoever wrote this was. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like waking someone up and bringing them along to your impending death and doom. Well, I guess. So he doesn't, he doesn't actually tell her, but this uh, computerized bartender that's on the ship Michael knows Sheen. everything. Yes, Michael Sheen. He knows everything. And at one point, they're having a good evening, and he says, oh, there's no secrets between us. And so Michael Sheen goes and tells her everything while he's away, and she goes ballistic. Yeah, I would too. So, And then after all this, once the ship finally gets really closer to being in big trouble, one man of the crew is woken up. Just one. But his pod was so messed up that he dies like seconds later because he's full of all these different uh, medical issues. Full of medical issues I, I is mean, a tough diagnosis. It is. <laughs> the test came back, and I'm fr- I'm a- I'm afraid, <laughs> Mister Proud, you are just chock full of medical issues. You yes, tested positive issues. for medical issues. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where at the point he goes, "Well, can I be treated?" and it says, "Here's some pills to manage your pain," mm. and that's it. <laughs> These are medicinal um, pills for medical treatment. Yes, exactly. Sorry, I um, shouldn't have become a doctor. I'm plagued with nonspecifics as my, as my own personal <laughs> medical issue. <laughs> there, there, I don't know, just the story just wants you to suspend way too much disbelief in the whole fact that, well, nothing could ever possibly go wrong with the ship, so there's no way that anybody could get put back into stasis or wake up the crew if something does go wrong. It's just, it really, it's... Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense that anyone would ever build a ship and be like, you know what, nothing's ever going to go wrong with it. Let's not provide enough, what we call them, (laughs) say lifeboats, everybody on board. (laughs) Um, It's it's unsinkable, so why would we bother with any safety? Like that's I I don't believe that at all. That's crazy. And this is this is clearly thousands of years in the future. And if there's one thing we've learned about human hubris is that over the years it's just faded away. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, much exactly. gone already. <laughs> what could go wrong? People just end up with some medical conditions or something? Just chock full of them? <laughs> exactly. Chock full of Medical conditions and space dysentery. That's the only things we're fighting. <laughs> Adam, next time I watch a film, I will be sure to write down all of the medical conditions. You don't need to. For your approval. No, if he was diagnosed with medical conditions, then <laughs> that's what he's got. <laughs> it's a hell of a WebMD search. <laughs> what symptoms do you have? All of them. I have a cold. I've got, them. I've got the yes. symptoms. I have full of symptoms. <laughs> I think... Isn't that kind of a movie, though? I mean, one person wakes up and has to, like, save a ship and stuff. I mean, you don't have a movie where it's like there once was a ship and it got hit by a meteor 
everyone died, go home. Like, that's the movie, you know? Someone's got to wake up. Like, you got to yeah. watch the movie for something, right? Well, I do have to say that this, what started it off and how it, they make it, make you try to think, oh, hey, it's this catastrophic failure. First, this one thing goes wrong. And then because all of the computers on the ship are trying to compensate for it, another thing goes wrong. And it keeps going on like that. The, when you find out where the problem first went wrong, you're like, why didn't this ship just blow up? <laughs> to begin with and it's taken two years to get to the point where it it's about to blow up but again if that happened that would be a very short movie there's (laughs) your problem we have a great idea and well let's just get everybody to to stop thinking about i don't know physics (laughs) uh anything that makes any type of logic we'll just i I disagree with your criticism of a movie i haven't seen in that, like, if if you watch any movie, it's not gonna make a, like it's not gonna have a, a physics expert and a medical doctor and a, like they're not gonna have all those people on staff. They're just gonna try and write a dramatic thing that holds your interest and and has uh, like human interest and emotional arcs to it. You can't go like well, I mean like if you look at Gravity, for example, which was a fantastic movie. The initial inciting incident of the domino effect um, satellite thing is impossible. It can never happen. But the fact that it could never happen had has nothing to do with the quality of the movie, at, like at all. Like, yeah, that could never happen, but it did in this movie. So let's move on. It's the same problem I have with the movie Titanic. <laughs> Go on. Just, yeah. I'm listening. The inciting event can never happen. <laughs> <laughs> and really an iceberg you expect us to believe that really exactly i think the main thing was i mean there was all that steam on that car window and no one even bothered playing tic-tac-toe or anything on it <laughs> every time i've it seems like a waste seems like it wouldn't have happened that way um yeah. and also to, to the original point how did all these people get into space in the first place without dying of space dysentery en route like <laughs> Well, that was just Earth dysentery. So. <laughs> as far as the movie is concerned, they were put in the stasis on Earth and then placed on a ship, and the stasis was this proprietary... Uh, so they were sent out to like a different world so that they could go find the cure for space dysentery. <laughs> I like the I love yeah. this idea, Avery, that the reason that they couldn't be put back in stasis is that the, the company put DRM on it. It's that's a powerful anti-copyright law argument. So so yeah, so there's no way for anybody to be woken up to fix something on the ship without. Ugh. And that is why death. you should use Linux mm-hmm. and not Mac as the <laughs> operating system. <laughs> I think this movie it sounds like, from what you've described, what irritates me is a lot of it wouldn't have happened if the robot bartender would have been a female bartender, probably. (laughs) Like, if they had just been progressive enough to make that female a female robot bartender, Chris Pratt probably could have maintained his level of horniness, is my guess. (laughs) 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 To the point of not murdering someone else on the ship, it would have been fine. Like, all it took was, like, a really high-tech blow-up doll, and the whole thing would have been solved, unfortunately. Like, that's... To me, that seems like... that That's a pretty p- crappy plot point. He woke her up because he was lonely, but he had this bartender that he could talk yeah. to whenever he wanted, as yeah. long as he wanted, and destroy his liver while he was at it. Yeah. So it was totally a sex thing. 
Ugh, men. Basically, if they just had Pornhub, he would have been fine. Probably. <laughs> it's just an elaborate commercial for Pornhub. That's a, <laughs> the worst. It really is just like Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fantastic. <laughs> Kevin, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched was Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Oh, Great movie. I think Matt said... It's already perfect. Yeah, right? we can't improve upon it, so I guess we just move on. <laughs> Kevin talks even less this episode than normal. Yeah, much less. Um, I will interrupt him the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most specific gripe, but there's a scene in Scott Pilgrim where he goes into the bathroom... And empties his pee meter, and, and it's fantastic. And What? He, empty, he goes to the bathroom, got, and there's a, a pee meter, meter yeah. on the screen, and it empties. Yeah, yeah, yes. That so was confusing little... because Matt said pee meter, and there's a literal one, but that's also what Matt generally calls penis, <laughs> is a pee meter. A pee meter. So I can understand why that was confusing. Because he's metric, yeah. Matt, put your pee uh... meter away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in England, meter made means something very different. <laughs> Is this podcast an elaborate commercial as well? <laughs> starting to feel that way. Sorry. The P the P meter mm-hmm. is like perimeter. I think it's what you mean. The, the, <laughs> the perimeter shows up on the screen and you know is full and empties as he pees, but he pees for like two seconds and it's just like whoop, done, gone. And well, uh, there's just... a lot. There's something you might not know about Michael Sarah is that he has a very powerful prostate. <laughs> it's very cast him in the world. That's why he's so weak in other places. All of his strength <laughs> just goes straight down to the prostate. It's a lot of kegels. <laughs> so going, the way Jeff. that you would improve. Wait, stop. The way you would improve the movie would be to have Michael Sarah for peeing for more of it. Yes. <laughs> you wanted to see. Michael Sarah P. Longer. I mean, look, it was a full meter. It should have been going for like a minute, right? I yeah. also would have accepted if the meter was not full. Or if it didn't <laughs> empty all the way. Because then you're doubly impressed yeah. with the character because you're like, who can stop halfway through? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to reveal too much, but I think really it should have emptied out most of the way. And then he should have walked away and then it dribbled out just the last <laughs> <laughs> That's how um, it works, I swear. Sometimes. Um, Unless you got a really strong prostate, which I guess, you know. My problem with that scene is that all of the, like, all of the video game references in that movie are, like, really on point and really specific and fun, and they have, like, music from stuff. Um, but I've never seen a P-meter in a game. That's never come up for me. Me neither. Um, I don't I know don't if that was Super Mario Brothers 2. The Lost Levels? Is one of the Lost Levels the bathroom? You never played Conker's Bad Fur Day, did you? There's a lot of games that use P-meters. There's, yeah, apparently Conker's Bad Fur Day. There's Mark Your Territory, if you guys ever played that. (laughs) Great video game. There's uh, Snow Rider 2. That's another good one. Jellyfish Sting Doctor? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Weird take on uh, on Dr. Mario, but it was, it was still neat. It was still good. Perimeter, that was another one. That was good. Which, 
of the two perimeter jokes that you made in the past ten minutes, which of them do you want me to keep in the edit? The first one or the second one? I want you to keep both. I have to say that the weirdest P game I played was Metal Pier Solid. No, okay. <laughs> it's solid? Oh. That's one of the many symptoms of space dysentery. That's tough. Uh, I am disappointed you didn't go with Resident Evil, but that's okay. <laughs> I will do my. I guess I'll do my last movie. Unless anyone has any more P-related puns they want to just drop real quick. That's the most I've seen Kev laugh in our uh, podcast. <laughs> by the way, is as we're talking about P puns. P puns, man. That's the way to my. That's the way to my heart. Is P puns? Wait, did somebody make a Wii, a Nintendo Wii? <laughs> <laughs> No, that was the most obvious one. But. I can't, yeah, I can't believe we left it lying on the table. Yeah, Wii and Wii U. Yeah, it's Wii good. Sports Resort is a very different game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice that they made a community of like-minded people through it. That's good. Yeah, it is, yeah. So the last movie... The last movie... We can talk about either of these things. You get to pick. The last movie I watched in its entirety was Doctor Strange. Um, but we kind of already talked about that on the last podcast a bit. Um, or the last movie I watched chunks of was The Little Mermaid, because I have a one-year-old daughter. Little Mermaid. Um, how would I improve The Little Mermaid? So, I didn't watch... I, one of the things that I would have liked to have done was sat down and watched the whole of The Little Mermaid, but what instead I did was I just came in every five minutes to make sure my daughter hadn't died while I was making pizza. <laughs> um, and so she survived, good. so that was good. Thumbs up there for The Little Mermaid. Good job, um, Dad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I feel like the obvious one is that like King Triton really needs to get his priorities in order because his whole role in the movie, he's the king. Like he is the, he's not, it seems like he's not just a figurehead king, like the British royal family. Like he is king and head of the parliament. Like he is, mm -hmm. he's the only guy. Like there's no one else. His closest advisor is the conductor of his orchestra. Like... That he's, the he's sea not, is a ruthless feudal system. And his focus, the whole movie, is on the fact that his daughter didn't show up for the daily uh, concert he has in his own honour. I feel like the the governance there must be just going to shit. If, that, like, <laughs> if that's what his priority is. So your change would be like an underwater French Revolution, is what you're <laughs> like Yeah, for, for. sure. <laughs> Ariel swims back and just sees fish heads literally <laughs> just on spikes well we we don't like we don't see like she goes off and marries a prince yeah um and i imagine that like because triton's one rule is like don't go to the surface they'll fucking murder you mm -hmm. um and then his own daughter disobeys that rule and it turns out great for her and so that's got to really undermine him as a ruler and so i imagine once she leaves all the fish start to get a bit restless. They realize yeah. that there's like a class system that's keeping them down with yeah. the mer people on top and the crabs on the bottom. Uh, well, I guess like the deep sea anglers are on the bottom. And so I reckon after that, there probably is a... I, don't, I haven't seen The Little Mermaid 2, but I imagine it's like Les Miserables. But <laughs> sea-based Les Miserables. It's subtitles. It's Little Mermaid 2 colon chum. That's it. So that should give you a little idea. It's ruthless. I, I, I like it without the colon. So it's Little Mermaid to Chum. Like as a conversion. 
<laughs> so yeah, that would be my improvement. I would ma- definitely make King Triton a more, uh, a- either a more active ruler or just oppose him entirely, mm-hmm. or at least have like a kind of a bloodless revolution where they keep him as like a figurehead, but actually have some kind of system of government Literally, underneath. Just, just, yeah, just, just yeah, right? just his head. I feel like a bloodless revolution is impossible because he does have a magical trident. So, like, you'd have to get that off him. Yeah. I feel like this is a special moment that we just saw you work through all your aggression of your past country. Having come (laughs) to Canada and like, you know what would improve this is murdering the royal family, says the guy with the British accent. We didn't even come close to working through my frustrations with my former country. (laughs) My biggest issue with the Little Mermaid is that it only got a G rating, even though Ariel is wearing a scandalous outfit for most of that movie. I think that says more about your um, unfettered horniness than it does about <laughs> the ratings board. What a, what a baseless accusation. No one else is watching The Little Mermaid and going, this is indecent. She's a little mermaid. Yeah, she's literally like 15 as well, Kevin. Come on. But she gets married. She gets married. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's problematic. The version I have, she's blurred out the whole time, so it was <laughs> no big deal. Wait, she's only 15 in fish years. You know, it's got to be a lot older <laughs> in people years. There's also a whole thing whereby, like, uh, King Triton's relationship to Ursula, the sea witch, is never clear. Like, but they know each other. And, like, mm-hmm. she used to be in power... Is that his wife? Are they brother and sister? What is the deal there? I think uh, maybe she... Maybe... Ooh, here's a twist. Maybe Ursula once tried to kind of overthrow King Triton once before and got pushed back down. So maybe she'd taken over a good amount, got pushed back down, and in the second one, I mean, obviously she tries to take over again and she fails, but uh, how does... Wait, she fails? Does she get killed? Do they kill her in the end? Is there murder in this G-rated... No, she gets fucking stabbed through the heart with uh, Eric's ship. Oh, there you go. Eric literally drives a boat into her stern. <clears throat> wow. Wow. Yeah. G-rating. So I think nice. maybe that's what you should be concerned about, rather than fish tits, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, at least <clears throat> they cover up the top half. The bottom half is still like fish open, open for everyone yeah, to see. Yeah, you can see everything. <laughs> She could release those eggs at any moment. <laughs> All right, shall we do our next segment? Oh, I was just trying to picture what a modest, a more modest outfit for Ariel would even be, and it would just be like seaweed draped all over. Kevin seaweed. wants her in a turtleneck, is the issue. Yeah. Which is literally a turtle shell, because fish. <laughs> oh. just, just like the one piece that like a lifeguard has to wear. You know, that's... <laughs> Made of what? I'm impressed that they were even able to make as much as they they did with as fish. If you wrapped her in seaweed, though, she'd be like super close to being sushi. Wow. If you eat a mermaid, is it cannibalism? Depends on which part, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems almost worse to me that if you were preparing filet mermaid and you chopped her in half... It seems almost worse to throw out the top half in the trash. Like, you you can imagine outside that Arby's where they have the filet or mermaid special. 
it's just like empty burger wrappers and then just the top half of the little mermaid you wouldn't want to see that i now know what no. type of person matt is if you ever get in the plane accident in the alps he's the one looking like, oh, I'd, I'd it'd be a, like shame. a shame <laughs> a lot of like a waste just landed in a refrigerator i mean it does seem like this whole movie has turned to cannibalism and getting distracted by seashells and d-shells this is all right let's do coming soon coming soon or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah um which is the segment where we take your twitter suggestions and we make them into movies uh we got a lot of suggestions this week which is wicked Mainly from one person. I didn't even add all of the ones that she suggested. There were so many I didn't have time to. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about some Space Cat tweets? Or do you want to talk about... I think my favorite title that I saw is by Home Halfway. Right. At, at home underscore halfway, Michael. Friend of the podcast. Friend, friend of, the of the podcast, podcast. Michael. Uh, he gave us the great title of Huge Tire. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was just thinking about that one. Um, I love I love Huge Tire as a movie. Uh, I think it's it's an Oscar winner for sure. Like, it's a serious, uh, serious drama. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, I mean, the first thing we have to discuss with Huge Tire is, is the Huge Tire literal or metaphorical? Well, I, I, I was thinking it was both in this movie. Oh. So, s- school gets developed, right? It's this brand new school. And uh, it turns out that it's like right in between both the poor kids and the rich kids, and so you get both sides of it coming in. Yeah. And there's one tire swing, only one, but it is just a huge <laughs> tire. Right. Just massive this tire, and uh, and all the rich kids are like keeping the poor kids off of it, and the poor kids have a turn, and that's when the parents kind of realize like, no, this is. This is our huge tire to deal with. This right, represents right, right, the community right. as a whole. And that's where it's a lot different. Right, so the, the huge tire is like, a, like a, it's obviously like a literal one, but it's also a metaphor for the problems of... Yeah. The, it's the like one cycles. big problem of uh, class, class relations. It's like a toned-down To Kill a Mockingbird sort of situation. Right, 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 yeah. Where the kids are like experiencing these problems, and the parents are like, oh, wow, I see my own... Darkest reflected secrets, in this huge reflected tire. in my children and in this huge tire yeah and then they get to uh they get to like this big parents and teachers meeting and they're all in the auditorium and nobody's bringing up the whole class problem and then you get one parent who just jumps up and said are we just not going to talk about the huge tire yeah room? this guy <laughs> who, who he's a farmer and he's like i've dealt with huge tires my whole life <laughs> i've never seen a tire this big and I've never in my life. This is fantastic. Uh, so obviously our, our protagonists have got to be like two or three of the rich kids and two or three of the poor kids mm-hmm. that we really follow their stories. Um, and then their parents. I don't care who plays the kids because child actors, they're ten a penny. Um, a dime a dozen is what you people say. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but who are we going to get to play the parents this is very important who are we going to get to play this farmer is th- that I mean because that's the pivotal role I feel I mean, I feel this is a role made perfectly for Woody Harrelson oh wow oh yeah yeah I don't, are people going to take him seriously enough though he's, he's in a new Han Solo movie they got he's him, so right? 
Yeah, because if there's one thing that Star Wars has taught us is that people from Star Wars, you've got to take them seriously afterwards. I think as exactly. soon as we see Woody Harrelson stand up, everyone in the crowd is going to be like, can we take this seriously? And someone's going to mutter out, oh, there's Han Solo. <laughs> and it'll move along. So I think the audience will kind of settle it amongst themselves. I was thinking it would be, my, my pitch would be Matthew McConaughey. Standing oh, yeah. Doing his, his standard line of, all right, all right, all right. Let's talk about this and you gotta listen to me. And he gets like, <laughs> yeah, no, he's obviously I'm, I'm with, speaking. I'm with Adam now. Let's go for let's go yeah. for Matthew. He's obviously speaking too quietly for everyone to be able to hear him, but still, everyone's like, yeah, no, this is it. <laughs> this is our dude. Well, we know, we know McConaughey can play a farmer since he does it. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a great farmer. Yeah. So in this in this movie what's our what's our resolution like how do they solve the metaphorical and literal problem of the huge tire well i think do they, we just find out there's room they, enough they, on the tire for everybody because it's that big they cut they cut one percent off of the tire and they give it to the rich kids <laughs> i think do the rich kids just like... fucking buy their own tire is that the, <laughs> is that the answer That's the matthew solution. mcconaughey's yeah. like i have a solution guys just get your just get your own tire i think the solution is uh Betsy DeVoe comes in and she's like, why don't you just start your own school? And they're like, oh yeah, good point. I guess we'll just, we'll just do this instead. Every week, I think it's going to be okay, but every week Adam's like, no, it's politics hour with Adam Brown. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of my life, I'm sorry. All I do is listen to political podcasts. Um, I think it has to happen in increments. Like maybe one of the rich kids, you find out that like his dad owns like a big tire shop, it turns out. And I so would have thought that would have of... come up earlier. Well, no, I'm saying it happens in increments. Yeah, this is like the first like big milestone where it's like, oh, okay. oh but one of the rich kids, his dad is in this blue-collar line of work of selling tires? He's like, yeah, my, my dad made that actual tire with his blood, sweat, and tears. That tire is, is made with the ashes of my mom. That is our family tire. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, oh, wow. And you just let the poor kids ride on it. He's like, yeah, I guess I have to. <laughs> That's America. That's America, yeah. From the ashes of my mom comes equality. <laughs> That's what e purblis unum means, by the way. That's beautiful. Um, I, I just wanted to say it would be a great opportunity to work in a cameo by uh, Dave Cactus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he works at uh, Firestone, right? Yeah, I thought you were gonna say of the the tire from that movie Rubber, which is already a movie about a tire. <laughs> There's a real movie about a tire. Yeah, it's called Rubber. It's about a sentient tire. It's by Quentin Dupuis, I believe his name is. Um, if you had asked me what the movie Rubbers is about, I wouldn't have said tires. <laughs> it's about. Uh, it is about. Oh, let's do. Let's do Matt reads from Wikipedia synopsis again. Uh, yes. <laughs> Robber is a 2010 English language film about a tire that comes to life and kills people with its psychic powers. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> On board. Yeah. I... The, like, graph for the interest in that movie spiked real quick. <laughs> it's a movie about a sentient tire that comes alive, Sen murders people through psychic powers. <laughs> just right up. Just right up, wait yeah. a sec. I was going to say, I feel like uh having your your solution of like one of the rich kids dad like worked in a tire factory and then kind of worked his way up 
is sending this wrong message about like how rich kids and poor kids are not that different. The rich kids just their parents worked harder. Um, and I don't know if that's really. I don't know if that's. I didn't what say we he worked his way up. I was saying time. he just owns it. He just owns it. So the message oh, is really it. rich people own you, poor people. Right. That's yeah. The much more acceptable message. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. He he inherited it, and therefore he owns the means of production. And uh, yeah. I think we we might be heading towards another um, undersea but not undersea revolution situation here, though. Hmm. I'd like there to be at least one scene in this where, um, I mean, there's a giant tire swing, so someone's got to go too fast, and they've got to puke all over maybe the rich kids, <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's the thing that bonds them together as well. The rich kids are like, oh, we're just like you now. Is that, is that negative look on poor people as well? <laughs> I like the idea that... Um, someone swings too hard but i think what happens is they swing too hard and the tire swing is so huge that they actually launch off and land on the roof of the school um and then they're missing and then all the families in the district have to come together to find this kid <laughs> which is, um, and that's how they bond is over this missing kid who just swung too hard on the huge tire of life and each one has like this little little thing that helps out like the rich kids parents are like we brought flashlights because we can afford them. And the poor parents, they're like, well, we've got tracking skills from all the backwoods hunting that we're forced to do. <laughs> because you rich kids own all the supermarkets and won't sell us food. Mm -hmm. we, we just know our kids better because we spend time with them. Oh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. really good, Kevin. They weren't raised by an iPad, you know? <laughs> I feel like it would be the opposite way, though. Right? Because rich parents get to spend more time with their kids. You yeah, because like they don't have to work two of... jobs. Yeah, they yeah. don't have to work two jobs and prove yeah. that they're poor enough for welfare. This is a political podcast again. Here we go. <laughs> they can afford all the iPads and stuff so that they don't have like to Like, they're physically them. present, but not emotionally present. Quantity time isn't quality time. Yeah. yeah. The poor yeah. families, like, yeah. the little time they have together, they, like... They talk about their days and they they play games yeah, together yeah, like yeah. cards. Ooh, yeah, the, subtitle the, the for the movie poster: "Spend some time on the tire." I like it. Nice. <laughs> That's really good. Um, all right, I like huge tire. Um, I think we definitely have to make it. I think we have to make it with an unknown indie director. Um, I'll do it. I think Kev is a great choice. Good, good call on Kev. Yeah. Yep. I'm in. Kev, Fantastic. Uh, tell us we your resume. Director. Tell us your resume. Why are you qualified it's to direct this? Unknown, movie? Adam. I'm an unknown. Right, but we director. have to know you a little bit. That's not how interviews work. <laughs> well, so what's 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 your greatest strength? I'm very mysterious. What's your greatest weakness? Well, I can't tell you that. When I was in high school, <laughs> my AP macroeconomics class. I made a video called Girls Gone Wild Economically what? and <laughs> turned it in. That was another one where just the interest was really low starting <laughs> off. Macroeconomics <laughs> class and then it spiked in interest. Kept me yeah. Very Girls quickly. Also macroeconomics which is applicable for the subject matter. I exactly. Like yeah. 
Uh, I have put together a slideshow with a soundtrack for a graduation open house. What was the soundtrack? That is important. Um, so some of the songs I can remember were uh, In My Life by The Beatles. Um, Bit of a safe choice. Have you taken on any riskier projects? Because these all seem like very, uh, very low risk yeah. propositions. They are. I mean, Girls Gone Wild economically is high risk for me. You made a movie but... called Girls Gone Wild economically that my mom would have loved. Is what from her. <laughs> How did the girls go wild economically? They didn't contribute enough to their pensions at an early enough age. <laughs> well, it's hard when you're only making 74 cents on the dollar. Shout out to politics again. Adam, if you want to start a politics podcast, I will start a politics podcast with you. We already is have. What is... Is this not... So did I get the job? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you yeah. are. Yeah, you're, you're yes. in it. I like huge tire. What else do we want to talk about? What else have we got here? Let's do another movie. You know what? I I want to say... Uh, I'm not so sure we'd... We... Well, actually, you know, Matt, you'd be perfect for talking about this. Uh, I was looking through some of these titles here, and Billy, I yeah. Green, I Green, he uh, he had he went on a whole murdering spree of, of titles. But I like the the Great Muppet Murder. <laughs> um, I like that as well because, like, typically, I don't know if you've seen many Muppet movies, but typically, it's not like straight point A to B. Like they make a plan and execute it. These things aren't Ocean's Eleven, where they're like, we're gonna right. rob a jewel, we're gonna rob this dude. And then they plan it, and then they rob him. A bunch of stuff happens. So I feel like the Great Muppet Murder, would they would accidentally commit murder. Like it wouldn't. It obviously wouldn't be a premeditated act. Like they're not. It's not about the planning and execution of the act. It's like there's some wacky hijinks, and fucking Gonzo shoots someone in the head. Um, and the rest of the movie, <laughs> and then they have to, to they up. have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that tone was already set from the very first film where they all try to go off to Hollywood. And so half the movie is this whole, like, travel movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like a road trip thing. So, the, yeah, it's yeah. ideal. So if they kill someone, if Gonzo kills someone right at the very beginning, I'm willing to hear other ideas, but I'm pretty sure Gonzo is the murderer. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't see any other way. Like, I could see Miss Piggy, like, accidentally karate chopping just a little bit too hard my, my pick would have been beaker <laughs> well like I, I i would i would buy beaker as the victim of murder because honey yeah. just does a terrible experiment on him that's more manslaughter though right there's no intent there yeah um miss piggy could commit a crime of passion i think yeah i feel like i feel like it's either gonzo or um, you know that 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 eagle, uh, Sam the guy? Eagle. Sam, Sam the Eagle. Mm, yeah, you're you're lying he, to yourself if you don't think that Sam the Eagle hasn't killed before. Um, <laughs> well, the, the fun thing as well is that Muppet movies are like super filled with cameos. So like the person he murders will be like Patrick Stewart or someone. It'll be like a fun. Like, <laughs> you could easily have a cameo by Leatherface just suddenly in part ways. The Muppet of actual murderers, Leatherface. What if we change the title to the Great? Muppet murders plural. Oh, so that like <laughs> there's a there's a spree. There's a whole bunch of by different Muppets. It's just like they are. Oh. It's literally just the first Muppet movie, but there's just <laughs> added little scenes, because um, they go all over the 
all over the. I'm so glad we get to talk about this. Um, <laughs> they go all over the, all over North America in that movie because like there's a song called "Moving Right Along" um, that is right. on my car stereo, twenty four seven. The song itself mentions uh, Rhode Island, Saskatchewan. Um, oh, all the places. Yeah, right. they like they go all over the place. So like they've covered the entire, and there's no reason for them to go all over those places. In the song, it's implied that they just got lost, but I think Kermit's got more smarts than that. So maybe they were they mm. were just they were seeking out their targets. This has a real Manson family sort of feel to it because they kind of went around in a van for a little bit as well after some. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, stuff like that. I could maybe see. So maybe there's like a shot or a scene in this where someone walks in and wait, which Muppet is which? I feel like a Muppet has to die though as well. So which Muppet dies? Robin. I've always hated that fucker. Which one is that? Uh, Kermit's little nephew. Oh, okay, Robin. Wow. So they like walk in and they see Robin. He's the scrappy do of the Muppets. He's. <laughs> uh, now I understand why the you normal. want him dead. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they like walk into this room and they're like, "Oh, Robin, where? Hey, Robin, where are you? Robin, speak, speak!" And then they realize that Robin has been taxidermied, which is like the exact same equivalent of a Muppet without stealing from my own tweets too much. <laughs> so when they're talking, maybe they look like it. Maybe when they kill it, it becomes just an actual frog and just looks like a science experiment. Maybe it goes the opposite direction. That is horrific. I like it though. But that's. That, that that sets Kermit over the edge and he goes off and starts, starts Yeah, because Kermit's always had that, he's always been a bit un, unhinged, I think. Like, it's not... Piggy walks all over him, he's gotta let loose yeah. some steam somewhere. Um, and that, that's the whole plot of the Muppets, right? Is that Kermit's just like desperately trying to hold them together. So I feel like if something bad happened, he would just, like something really bad happened, not just like they can't sell their Broadway musical or whatever. If, if one, one of them, of them died, died, I feel he, like he would he, really have a problem with it. Um, unless it was Scooter, I don't think he would give a shit if Scooter died. I, <laughs> I definitely. He probably wouldn't his, even notice. His murder. I want to hear his song, "The Rainbow Connection," redone as a murderous tune instead. We're just the yeah. Why aren't there any songs about murder? Why are there so many songs about rainbows, and why the heck won't you die? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Why won't you please die, die, die? But only illusions in rainbows. I'm going to stab you with my knife. See, it works out so good. It's great. I kind of, out of this just idea was spinning in my head for a while. Somebody kills Miss Piggy to make bacon. I think. I just mean, real I feel like. I know, I know we've been talking a lot about the Muppets getting murdered, but I think Kevin just stepped over the line. <laughs> Am I wrong there? Like, I'm kinda I worried felt the that atmosphere this... change when he said that. I feel like the bacon would then be anthropomorphic still, where it would still have like its eyeballs and be talking, and pe- <laughs> Piggy's like, someone slice this off of me. Yeah. Am I wrong? I feel like No, I think that's right. Well, because if you look, like, there's a precedent there. Like, the Swedish chef has like singing grapes and all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the same thing. And also, I think if anyone were to kill Miss Piggy full bacon, it would be uh, the Swedish chef. Like, mm. And there's a precedent there as well, because in Muppet Family Christmas, there's like a B-plot about uh, how the Swedish chef wants to cook and eat Big Bird 
for Christmas dinner. Um, oh gosh. I'm listening to Matt, but I'm also distracted by the twinkle in his eye every time he says the word Muppet. <laughs> yeah. There's just this it's little ama- sparkle amazing. there. That, even when he talks about it's his daughter, it's not there. But when he says Muppet, it, <laughs> his eyes just come to life. It's amazing how much Muppet knowledge Matt delivers just mm-hmm. like with a straight face. I think if like, anyone's boom, bam, murdering boom, boom. these Muppets, it's this dude who's already done the research all about it. As yeah, he's obsessed with them. Yeah, they travel around the country and, and I've, I've, I've planned their route. I've heard it through the song. And you, know who would, you know who they'd pit it on, right? You know who would really die? I feel like I'm making my case worse here, but in the Muppet, the new Muppet reboot, <laughs> so the plot of the new Muppet reboot is that Jason Segel's character and this new Muppet Walter are brothers, but Jason Segel is a human man and uh, Walter is a Muppet. Walter goes and joins the Muppets and Jason Segel is kind of left out in the cold. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Segel, oh. that kind of made him a little bit unhinged, he's oh. not in the second movie, um... Of the reboot, but in the trilogy he comes back, and he's broken by the fact that the Muppets have not only taken his brother away, but also completely shut him out of the whole thing, just because of the way he looks. Wow. I'm still stuck on how you said Jason Segel's out in the cold when he is ending up with Amy Adams. I I just don't get that part. (laughs) I forgot forgot about that. It's true, he does. But um, still, I feel like it, it, it rankles him more than he lets on. I imagine him having this like really brutal scene where all of a sudden he's like talking to his brother and then he lifts his hand up and you see that his hand's inside of his brother because it's a puppet and then he pulls it down with all the innards just outside of it. And it's just the roughest scene of the whole entire Muppet caper. So it's now the Blair Muppet project? Well, no, if he maybe like did an art project for the brother and was like, see, are you threatened now? I made a doll of sticks. <laughs> yes. Do we want to do one more? Or do you think two is sufficient? Let's do one more. Let's do one more. You're, you're, you're right. in the zone? No. Um. <laughs> He's not confident in our material. <laughs> you're not, you just feel like we haven't done any good ones yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Bring, that's fair. bring down the energy a little bit. Um, th- we can do literally any... Of the uh, Space Cat ones. we got to do one Space Cat one. Um, there's so many. <laughs> uh, Burning Town. I like that one. Burning Town is good. There's a there's a run here where she's just like on fire. There's what In one tweet, she drops Savage Earth, Shark Song, Ghost Montage, Maiden Malevolence, Envy Sin, Darker Sun, Liverest Cave, Scarcast. And it's just like <laughs> all gold, one after another. Yeah. Envy's sin. That's crazy. Scotch and smoke. Yeah, she's pitched uh, a little series because at one point she says the wrong rights are prequel. And then later she says more wrong rights. Um, so I think she's doing like a little... Um, so I like the idea of she's pitching like a whole series about the wrong rights. It's, I mean, it's clearly a... It's clearly a horror thing where like someone performs the wrong rites and they're trying to summon a demon, but they accidentally um, make a tuna fish sandwich. It's probably more horrific if they're trying to make a tuna fish sandwich and they accidentally summon a demon. Um... Unicorns and uniforms. I just decided. <laughs> oh my god, that's uh, so good. Yes. Number 113. Unicorns and uniforms. Sarah... 
Space Cat at Catstronomical. At Catstronomical. So at Catstronomical sent in. It has to be at least a hundred, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're all she incredible. Done, mm-hmm. um, she done the good. And so I think she's think, gunning for our jobs. Yeah, we're gonna just use use her tweets from now on. <laughs> um, yeah. So unicorns and uniforms. Uh, she did specify later what? on, by the way, that all of her suggestions star Nicolas Cage. But I think unicorns <laughs> and uniforms is a good fit for him. Um, anyway, I think I feel like we could maybe overrule her casting choice. I feel like maybe. Well, let's make let's maybe. make the movie first, and then I'll decide whether or not to cast Nicolas Cage. The answer is always yes. Cast Nicolas Cage. Okay. <laughs> What's the uniform? Well, like, I'm wondering if uniforms officer? and uniforms is a. So this is my pitch to you. It's yeah. a war. On the one side, we have the human race, aka the uniforms. Um, it's oh. a it's a it's a worldwide army, made up of the the best and brightest of that we have to offer in the military, of our versus, the unicorns who are much more. It's much more of a kind of collective thing. Um, but we're at war with them for the planet's precious resources. But one soldier, who may or may not be Nicolas Cage, we can decide that later, falls in love with the unicorn. And then it's it's like a Romeo and Juliet story of two sides divided, but love brings them together. And then a sequel where they have centaur children. <laughs> <laughs> That's called, it's confusingly titled Unicorns in Uniforms. <laughs> is this, is this I, feel, I feel like this podcast, we've figured out that Kev's thing is like half-human people. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as we mentioned uni- uniforms and unicorns, Kev was like, "There, someone's going to be doing it. That's for sure. <laughs> we will no, end no, up no. with centaurs. <laughs> Matt said they fall in love first. Yeah. I'm glad we're going this way because I feel like this easily could have been a bad movie that was just like the worst parallel to Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. <laughs> I was just thinking I'm that just, same thing, yeah. Or it's like unicorns and people are like, I see what you're trying to do. I see But, uh, but I hate it. But I hate everything about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think if we go the fully mythical uh, route, um, I think that saves us from that. Yeah, that's good. So it's it's almost like the Warcraft movie, where it's orcs and humans fighting, but instead it's it's uh, unicorns instead. Yeah. And it also seems like a movie that I would never see. So there's a lot of parallels, I guess. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you tell me why you wouldn't see this movie, so that we can try and bring it back from for you? Like, what is um, it that's missing in this movie that we really need? That you so that you would go, you personally would go and see it. You know, I think, I think maybe what's happening is a lot of my stereotypes towards unicorns are really what's right, holding yeah, me back. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. But the, I guess they're military unicorns, so maybe I need to open my mind a little bit more. Man, I am a racist mother effer against unicorns, is what I mean. Against <laughs> unicorns specifically, yeah. yeah. I, need to, I need to open my thoughts and realize that unicorns can be all sorts of different types of horses. Of persons, yeah. Because they're not they're not all peace and love. Sometimes they just go shit with that horn. Yeah. They're just You'll you'll change your mind when you see the poster, which is a, a battalion of unicorns and they have 
soldiers' heads on their horns. <laughs> oh um, my god! <laughs> it's a very intimidating technique that they use. Yeah, um, yeah. I would Speaking love it if if it was the way that the movie poster was cut was so that it just looks like it's like people from you're standing far enough back, like you stand twenty five feet back, and at the bottom of this movie poster are just people heads like they're looking out and then you get yeah. close and you can just barely see at the very bottom line oh there's actually horns and just eyes coming out of it like yeah you can, it's, so very it's very subtle and it's like oh holy crap i would like to pitch this idea as well if we're going to use nick cage like if we're going to spend the money and get nicholas to come and be in our movie and it's it's a lot of money and he doesn't just do anything you've got to send him the script <laughs> and that's i mean as soon as you send him the script he's in but but you do have yeah. to send him the script. I feel like if we're going to get him to do it, he should play both the soldier that falls in love and the unicorn that he falls in love with. Nice. We'll just pitch shift his voice up a couple of octaves so that it doesn't quite sound like the same. Or down, whatever. I think, seeing as how they are falling in love, and uh, I mean, this is unicorns, but it's a new take on them, so this isn't G-rated. So I think for two reasons... There does need to be a bit of a love sort of sexy scene going on. And the two reasons that I think this should happen is... One so that Kevin first, can... Is one so that Kevin, Kevin can, can have something see, to watch this yeah, movie for. That's the number wants, one. Yeah. And number two, because I want to hear the line, you making me unihorny. That's the only... <laughs> the other reason. Kev, is that something that would appeal to your people? Is that I know... We, we haven't done squi- I know we, we, we're not right at that script note stage but I would like to change that line mm-hmm. just going to cross it out and write let's get you out of that uniform and into this unicorn I <laughs> 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 but in a crazy twist the unicorn impregnates the human Nick Cage <laughs> with the horn oh, wow. and Nick Cage is the one who bears I, I not, I'm no centaurs. longer comfortable with the way this movie's gone. I feel bad giving up creative control of it because this, this workshop weird. process has really taken it from the... We're, we're, we're rivaling Human Centipede oh, and no, how gosh. messed up this is. <laughs> Alright, let me pitch a different take on this because it, 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 it completely lost. What if... There's no, no, war. tell me the same story but like in a lower voice and a little slower. <laughs> Mm, so there's this unicorn. <laughs> Kev, stop laughing. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I have been at MattMutsy1. I'm Adam Droud at Adam Browd. I am Aubrey at A Burger A Day. I'm Kevin at Pan Midwest. Yeah, you can follow our podcast at Better Movies Pod.